0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. I hope it's a payday for you, for you weekly and biweekly wage earners. Maybe today is the golden day. Yeah, hope you get out and have a chance to do some cool stuff this weekend. We're going to be covering Mississippi State baseball scrimmages and the women's basketball game on Sunday. Uh, Justin Frommer will fly out tonight uh, to cover Missouri. So we got you covered this weekend. With everything related to Mississippi State, uh, Mike Nemeth will cover all three baseball scrimmages. I'll be there today. We'll see what happens on the, uh, the, the other days because they haven't announced uh, the time yet, having to dodge some raindrops around here. But uh, yeah, Justin will be in Columbia, Missouri, up in Como for Saturday's game against Missouri. We're going to preview that on today's show. And then uh, I'll be covering Sunday afternoon against Florida as the ladies play. I uh, also want to make you a prize of a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, tonight we're going to give it a shot. Uh, you guys have heard before that my son, Ani Robertson, who actually uh, suggested our top 10 list today, reminded me of a modern rock band that's kind of taken the world by storm that we haven't done yet. And he's uh, really gotten into them as of late. But uh, we're going to try to do a baseball streaming show on Facebook tonight. We haven't even really settled on the name yet. I don't know. You know how that stuff goes, you know. But, uh, so yeah, so be looking for that uh, tonight. And if you, don't, if you don't watch streaming stuff, you can always go back and watch a little bit later. I'm going to figure some things out, too, like how to get it on YouTube and things like that. Uh, you know, even though I'm, I don't know, I'm pretty technologically savvy in some respects. When Anytime there's something new, you know, it takes me a little bit to kind of get settled. But, uh, yeah, we're going to stream that tonight. We'll find eventually find a way to get it out there as a podcast to you. Just going to be a little thirty minute show once a week, a chance for us to kind of get together and talk a little baseball. He's got it played collegiately, so he's got some insight that perhaps many of us don't. So be looking for that, and also to uh, our True Rest franchise, our float therapy spa in Stark Vegas opens on Monday. On Monday, so download the True Rest app and go ahead and start booking your appointments, Uh, guys. Tom Brady is a guy that has a true rest float pod in his residence. It's a big part of him. Steph Curry, also a floater. You should be a floater, too. You know, we're all weird people down here. We all float down here. But, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and start booking now. And so that, or you can call. Let me give you the number. And if you're not an app person, and you should be, you should be. It makes life a whole lot easier. If you don't want to deal with that, you can just call 662- 268 7601 had several people book uh, yesterday for other dates, and uh, that's the thing, you can go in, and you can go ahead and pick your date and your time, enter your information, and go ahead and book your appointment, but uh, if you're, again, if you're not an app person, or maybe you're having trouble with that, just uh, give a call to the store, uh, Dana's down there now, uh, you know, putting the final adjustments, and we're going to have to work out some kinks, I mean, here's some, you know, some some wall art and things like that that hadn't made it in. So we're going to be in pretty good shape. But uh, uh, the pod specialist left yesterday. So everything is set up. Just some fine-tuning we got to do. And please be patient with us in the very beginning as we work out the kinks. Uh, we, we'd certainly appreciate uh, your support. It is an experience that uh, is difficult to describe. So if you're a person that struggles with uh, stress or anxiety or chronic pain, and if you're just a person like me that I, I am constantly on the go, I'm constantly engaged. I'm overstimulated at all all times. Constantly on the phone. Always worried we're going to miss a big story. Uh, When I get a chance to go float, it just really kind of resets things and slows the world down for me. And I think everybody would benefit from this. And we've had some people from all over Mississippi that have contacted us. That uh, you know we got you know one particular guy's got scoliosis. Uh, We've got another amputee. You know somebody that has chronic pain. Uh, due to some things, some injuries and things like that. And so there are some physical benefits and certainly some mental benefits, and, and I would suggest some emotional benefits as well. They're doing some experimental therapy right now f- uh, for people in early recovery, you know, people that struggle with addiction and things of that nature. And so uh, it's pretty revolutionary. Uh, you get about 1,200 pounds of magnesium-infused Epsom salt. And, you know, that's the cure-all, right, Epsom salt. Anytime that you were sore or whatever, uh, but it's an amazing thing. it's about physical and mental recovery. If you've never done it, it's worth the opportunity. I I loved it so much. The very first time I floated, the very first time I floated, I went home that night and emailed the company to see what we needed to do to get a franchise here to Starkville, Mississippi. Because I wanted all of you, I wanted my friends, my family, to have this same level of peace. And, uh, guys, I'm going to float every day, at least the first 30 days. I'm going to float every day. I'm going to get in there and just kind of see what happens. You know, uh, it's great. And uh, we're also going to be uh, working with the university, too, to make these uh, services available to our student athletes. So that's a part of it, too. You know, it's not just the fact that we want it to be open to the public, we want to be of service to both Starkville and to Mississippi State. Uh, so come be a part of that. I know you're probably intrigued. If you want more information, uh, just visit the True Rest website, truerest.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. And uh, if you got other questions, a little more specific, just, you know, call that number. And uh, Dana can answer them for you. You know, she's very passionate about this. So we look forward to you guys uh, becoming regular floaters, for sure. Hey, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and I always get excited when we make the decision early in the day. It's like, hey, you want to go to Bulldog tonight? Yeah, I do. Uh, my youngest, Ian, works there. Many of you have uh, messaged me and told me what a great young man he is. And uh, I appreciate that more than you can possibly know. I'm very proud of him. He's a great kid. Proud of all my children. Uh, But he's the one that's kept me young. I'll I'll just kind of say it for what it is. And uh, he absolutely loves working there. His best friends are his co-workers at Bulldog Burger Company. And uh, I think it's one of those things, too. He has uh, come in, started out as a a host. Now he's a server. Uh, He's worked also in the kitchen at times, uh, working on Expo and things like that. But he's just a guy that loves Bulldog Burger Company. And the fact that he's worked there and kind of given me some inside information, it makes me feel even better about my relationship with Bulldog Burger Company. You want to do business with people that have integrity. You want to do business with people that do things the right way. And that's what you get at Bulldog Burger Company. And you're thinking, okay, well, Steve, I just want to go eat. Well, yeah, that's true. You want to go eat, but you also want to go somewhere where the employees are treated well, where the environment is a very welcoming atmosphere. There's a reason they have such a great level of service. It's how they treat their employees. makes all the difference. My oldest daughter, Audrey, worked at Harvey's too. The Eat With Us group is an institution in this part of our state, and for good reason. Those guys know exactly what they're doing. They know how to take care of you. Bulldog Burger Company, three great locations to serve you, University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Floyd area, Go buy, have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Look in the mirror today. I need some spring rolls for sure in my life very, very soon. And get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a big advocate for dessert to go. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet M-E-A-T. You know, it feels so good to win. It does. I have people that tell me, Steve, I always love it when you say that. It's because it's positive. It feels so good to win. Period. And, man, the ladies are so fun to watch. It's gotten to the point now where I expect us to win every time out. And it's a different hero every night. And now we're starting to see Aaron Barnum really get going. We're a team now that can score from all five spots on the floor. Makes us very, very difficult to defend. That's the thing. We go back to this all the time. The teams that can find a consistent third scorer are tough. But all of a sudden, when you can score from all five spots on the floor, it makes life awfully difficult on the competition. Let's take a quick look back at this, and then we'll look ahead. Uh, the Sunday's game is uh, the Bulldogs and the Florida Gators have a rematch. But, uh, you know, Bulldogs now 20-5. Let that sink in for a second. I don't know if you've checked, but State is now tied for second place in the SEC standings behind South Carolina and with Tennessee. Now, if the tournament started today, because Tennessee had that win over state, Tennessee would be the two-seed state, would be the three. We're in a really good position now to finish in the top four. Really good position. We talked about that on yesterday's show. Schedule's really favorable down the stretch. You know, that that road trip to Oxford kind of looms large. But outside of that, you feel like, a state – State should be favored in all those games. That was the case last night. And give Georgia some credit for making the game for a while. But in the end, talent shows up. Georgia now falls 11-12 and 2-8 and in the SEC, and now the seller of the SEC. Uh, maybe you didn't expect that. You know, last year, Georgia was a tournament team. Georgia's got a great tradition for women's basketball. Uh, Georgia's biggest lead came at 8-49 in the first. State led by as many as 22 in this ballgame. Of course, I was late. Um, part of the deal. But State led for 37 minutes and 10 seconds of 40 minutes of action. Only trailed for 155. And that was all very early. We were kind of figuring things out. But I absolutely love this team, man. I absolutely love this team. And you, get, and you begin to check it in here, and you start thinking, you know, is it okay to believe, Steve? It is. It is. You know, you had that big loss early in the schedule. You, know, you went up there to Chattanooga. Things run great. But you got to remember, too, like even the loss against Miami, you know, we didn't have Jessica Carter. We had some injuries earlier. But now that we're getting back to full strength, you know, there's a couple of players that, you know, out for the year. But when you begin to look at what this team is doing, they're beginning to gel at the right time. You want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the year. That's what everybody always talks about. And we are. Now, after four and a quarter last night, and, again, a very offensive quarter. But um, 23-19. 23-19 after one period of play. Did you expect all that? I don't know that you did. I didn't. But, um, you know, you get back at it, and um, we get into the second quarter. And, uh, you know, Georgia comes out, hits a couple shots. I thought they found some success in the lane. It kind of those mid-range jumpers. They consistently are able to kind of get those looks, and they knocked some of those shots down and really were able to stay in the game. And State really began to kind of ratchet up the pressure a little bit, got some hands and some faces, forced some errant shots, got some rebounds. State pushes it back up to nine on Aaron Barnum uh, layup in the paint just around the four-minute mark and uh, kind of maintained that lead, traded a couple baskets here and there. But uh, it's a 39-30 game at the break. Not quite the offensive quarter you had uh, the first period. But, I, again, I think our, our ladies were ready to play, and they give Georgia some credit. They came out. I thought had a really good game plan early on. This took us a little while to kind of get into the flow. Uh, but uh, we're a team. You just be patient with us, and we don't get in foul trouble. We're going to get you. We absolutely are. And uh, let, me, let me get here. Look at this box score a little bit closer here. You know, sometimes you get all hemmed up and look at your notes. Maybe you are written something down wrong. That's always the case for me, it seems. Uh, But you come out in the second half there, and uh, it didn't take long at all. And State's pushed this thing back out, you know, to double digits. It was our largest lead at the time, I guess. But Georgia wouldn't go away. Give them some credit. They wouldn't go away. They continued to battle, continued to battle. And then State takes it back out to 11 on a really nice play by Jessica Carter. And and watching our ladies out on the break, it's, it's almost like a thing of beauty at times. And women's basketball has improved so much in recent years. I mean, you begin to think about this, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody, but the refined skill of an SEC women's basketball player right now is incredible. It's the best the game has ever been. We all know this. It's true. It's true. But I remember sometimes when, you know, there was no continuity to a game. You know, you go down there, somebody fires up a shot. People kind of stand around and uh, rebound, might get bounced out of bounds or whatever. It's incredible to think how far women's athletics has come, and we just celebrated you know, women in sports yesterday. We got a lot to celebrate with these ladies. And just before we get to the end of the third period, you know, State pushes it out to a 14-point lead. And at that point, we knew the game was over. It was just a matter of what the final score was going to be. Well, that didn't take long either, and uh, State really good quarter here uh, in the fourth, to 19-14 uh, is is the the quarter differential, and many of Georgia's baskets kind of came when the game was ultimately decided. State put together a really nice run here to really kind of put them away. But again, when you win every quarter, you're going to win the game. State wins the first quarter by four, and then you're up you know by nine at the break. Next thing you know, you're up fourteen, you know, and so it just kind of the the flow of this game really favored State, and it kind of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy when you're a team like Georgia that just haven't had a good year you got to go on the road, and, and it's going to take a miracle fourth quarter to pull this thing out, and State is just simply too good for that. Just simply too good. It's a 15-point lead after Darion Rogers three-pointer at the 547 mark. And from there, it's just kind of one of those things where State just kind of nursed this thing along. Uh, Carter pushes it out to 18 right around the two-minute mark, and it gets as high as 22 with a minute four to play. Just kind of how it works. And so, state wins. We're not going to sit here and belabor the point, but we'll look inside the numbers here real quickly and uh, kind of you know, illustrating. Today's podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's Objective Finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. get ready to roll man and uh, I remember being a kid that was like the biggest highlight for us my grandmother would get us tickets every year and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits we put our boots on have our chaps our vest and we would go up there and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull we were willing to do it yeah for sure guys boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar And doing a little boot scoot Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game Tacovas can make you look better than ever Absolutely And here's the deal too That's the thing The versatility of Tacovas Is you can wear them somewhere nice Or you can live life where you don't go gently That's what Tacovis does for you Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot It's my favorite boot brand And it should be yours too When State can score from all five spots on the floor, it's going to be tough. It really is. Uh, Ja'Kayla Jordan, 19 points. Elitist. I thought she was outstanding last night. On, on, on both ends of the floor and every tenant of the game of basketball. And Ja'Kayla's had a couple of games as of late that she hadn't really you know, filled up the basket. Kind of a return to form for her. 33 minutes, 8 of 17 from the floor. Three or four from the line. Pulled down nine rebounds. She's a great rebounding guard. Guy's just one personal foul. You now she had some foul trouble at Kentucky. Just one against Georgia last night. Dished out three assists. Did have a couple turnovers, but she had a team-high four blocks and a team-high four steals. You couldn't have asked anything more of Ja'Kala Jordan last night. Absolutely outstanding stat line, and she really was the straw that's third the Bulldog drink. Jessica Carter with 18 points and 12 rebounds. Another double-double for her. 9 of 13 from the floor, and uh, she had one up there that just kind of lingered around on the rim, finally fell off. That uh, you know, she Again, good game for her. One th- shot from the line, and that's when she goes, I'm pretty confident she's going to make it. But um, stayed out of foul trouble again. That's what happens, man. When they let us play a little bit, we're a little more athletic. More are likely going to win the ball game. Aaron Barnum, again, continues to ascend with Mississippi State. 18 points last night, pulled down six rebounds. Had a big three-point basket, too. She had to shoot many. It was only her second made three of the year. And it was one of those things, too. It was kind of in flow, right? It was in rhythm. When it when they kicked it out to her there on, in the corner, you're like, let it go. Let it go. And it was nothing but net. Absolutely great shot. Uh, Lauren Park Lane, not scoring a lot, but still kind of impacting the game. She dished out nine assists last night. Scored just four points. But she has really evolved and become more of a facilitator for us. DeBrasia uh, Chapo, not a whole lot going last night, but she got there and she played hard. Didn't, didn't really look for a shot that much. She was one of five from the floor. The one make was a three-point basket. Pulled down three rebounds. Also four assists. Many of those in the interior. A couple of those were to Jessica Carter. I won't say one was to Aaron Barnum, but um, played hard for us. And again, you know, she's a piece, an interesting piece. Darianne Rodgers... Eight points. So she didn't lead us last night, but again, she was so efficient. At what she did, uh, the first lady off the bench, 23 minutes of action, uh, two of six. Both of those were were three point baskets, and it seemed like both baskets came right in the middle of a Georgia run or when State was just trying to uh, to answer a run. Both of them came at big times. Uh, pull down one rebound, and also it's incredible seven assists. Yeah, let that sink in for a second. When we begin to share the basketball, you know, because sometimes in basketball, it doesn't matter if it's a men's or women's side, sometimes we get a little stubborn here. Oh, you got to feed this guy, feed this lady. You know, when we share the basketball the way that State did last night and hand out 27 assists, we are very difficult to beat. Really pleased with the win. I expected the win. You guys did too. I mean, Miracle Shepard, 15 minutes, Uh, didn't play a whole lot. But, man, great defense. Did not attempt a shot from the floor. But uh, she is such a terror out there in perimeter defense. But uh, really, really happy with the result. And uh, everybody came out kind of shooting really well there. But um, you know, State shot 64% in the first quarter. Georgia was at 54%. Think about that. You come out and you shoot 54% on the road and you're still trailing. Just one of those nights that the, the rims at the hump were, were charitable. But on the night, State shoots 52.4%. We talked about that second quarter not, not quite as good as the first. Well, you know, you shot 17 shots in both quarters. You just made four more in the first. Uh, really good effort, for sure. Really good effort. So let's kind of look ahead here. Uh, the ladies again gonna rematch with Florida. And you know, we played them down there. Let's take a quick look, you know, and what's happened with Florida here as of late on the women's basketball side they've got some athletes just hadn't really gelled for them but uh, 12 and 9 overall three and six in the southeastern conference uh, seven and three at home two and six in true road games and three and 0 on a neutral floor uh you may recall when we played these ladies uh, down at their place they won that game 89 to 77 we'll give you a quick refresh of how that game kind of played out i'm not going to break the whole thing down but uh uh, Ja'Kayla Jordan, 21 points and 12 rebounds. Jessica Carter, 20 points, 16 rebounds. DeBressia Poe with 13 and two. Lauren Park Lang with a dozen. And then Darian Rogers with 11. So five Lady Bulldogs scored in double figures that night. State pulled down 46 rebounds in the game to just 34. When we shoot it as well as we can, when we rebound the way that we can, we're tough to beat. Simple as that. And, again, it's so much fun to be excited about women's basketball. You know, we've wanted to be good as of late. We've wanted it. And last year certainly was a step in the right direction, especially in the postseason. It made us all so proud. But Sam Purcell has kind of built upon that. And now you feel even better about the direction of women's basketball. It's like, you know what, I remember what this felt like. Praise the Lord and go dogs, right? Everybody had the shirt. That's what it felt like. It feels like we're beginning to kind of recapture some of our past glory. Now, after Florida lost to Mississippi State back on January 22nd, uh, they traveled to Ole Miss and got beat by 11. They didn't welcome Texas A&M in, and we're going to talk about the Lady Aggies here shortly. But uh, they beat up Florida gets them 63 to 51, and then they travel down to Baton Rouge and play Kim Mulkey and LSU and get absolutely smashed 106 to 66. It's rough. Well, bounce-back game for them last night is they edge Arkansas and a very high-scoring affair, 85-81. to 81. And so now we'll welcome them here. And, again, it's interesting, one of those anomalies in the schedule, they'll play state and they'll miss back-to-back for a second straight time. They'll play state on Sunday and then turn around on Thursday on the Valentine's Day hangover day, and they will host them uh, in Gainesville. But uh, when you begin to kind of break this thing down, they're the same team that they were before. Not much has changed. It's not they went out and signed a free agent, you know. So we got to show up and play, and we should, and we'll be fine. But I uh, was kind of looking at some quick individual numbers here before we move on. Aliyah Matharu, we know her; she was one of us for a long time. Has played 19 games, started uh, 15 of them. And is averaging 18.3 points a game. And then there's Leilani Coria, 17.8, and so. Uh, and then Rashe Kyle with uh, just over a dozen. So three scores, averaging uh, double figures. Faith Dutt has a block per game, which leads the team. She has 23 blocks on the year, 72 as a team. So, you know, hey, we're going to have to show up and play. You know, we're not going to just be able to go through the motions. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how Matharu handles being back at Humphrey Coliseum. You know, it'll be an emotional game for her. We got no qualm. We got no beef with her. Wish she'd have stayed, right? She was another big three-point shooter for us. And uh, she's done a good job at Florida. And she's a volume shooter now. 123 three-point attempts on the year. She's made 30. And then uh, Leilani also, 98 attempts, made 39. So they're going to fire it up from the perimeter. But we do such a good job defending the perimeter, and uh, with, especially with, with Miracle Shepherd. Uh, and with your Kayla Jordan, I think we're going to force them to probably settle for two-point shots. So it'll be rather interesting. But uh, if you're on the fence about coming, we encourage you to come. you got a chance to come to the ballgame and get home at a decent hour. It's true. All right, let's take a quick look at what happened in women's basketball since we were together. Real quick, I guess standings update. Standings update because it's so fun to talk about. LSU wins, so we're tied now. Three-way tie. Three-way tie. LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee for second place. Did you expect that? I don't think you did. And now begin you start looking at the tiebreakers because State beat LSU, you know. So it'll be interesting. I just said let's just win the rest of them, right? And then we'll figure it all out later. That'd be great. Uh, but South Carolina now ten and zero, and of course you know th- they're going to win the SEC. That's no that's no surprise, no hot take there. But uh, last night a rather interesting night and women's basketball in the Southeastern Conference. Very, very interesting night in that respect. And uh, going to be a full slate of games uh, on Sunday. But last night, really weird, because, you know, again, Florida wins at home, and Arkansas pretty decent. I mean, let's just kind of call it for what it is. South Carolina destroys Missouri, 83-45. And, you know, that used to, there used to be a lot of beef between Missouri and South Carolina. Remember, Don Staley got ejected in that game, and Missouri beat them a couple times, and, you know, Sophie was great. You may not like her, but she was great. And she got under the skin of South Carolina people. But uh, two programs going in two different directions, for sure. Or maybe that's not even correct. South Carolina maintaining their regular trajectory. Missouri just dipped down. Alabama last night, huge win for those ladies. As uh, they upset Tennessee, 72-56. to Nothing fluky about that. Big, big win. Uh, and we, we're going to play. The Crimson Tide ladies here soon. we are got to bring our best effort. Now, road uh favorites last night were in short supply, but there was some road upsets as AM goes to Oxford and beats Coach Yo and the Lady Rebels 72 to 53. I didn't see that one coming, to be honest with you. Oh Miss have been playing well as of late, since we had the little social media stuff, you know, they kind of got stirred up. They played well. Last night they didn't. Got absolutely smacked, and uh, that's a big one for us, right? It gives us a little more separation in the standings. LSU goes to Vanderbilt. You know, Vanderbilt played really well early on. LSU has uh, really taken taken charge of things since uh, losing to Mississippi State, 85-62 winners last night. So, again, we've already gone over the standings, but um, some pretty good results last night. Uh, for as far as the Bulldogs go and kind of how things go so let's look here at the Sunday schedule because we won't do a Saturday show don't get used to me doing this every day Vanderbilt is at Georgia that'll be an interesting one you know Georgia again a team that's just kind of trying to figure some things out Vanderbilt hopefully will rebound if you're a Commodore fan probably like Vanderbilt in that game Auburn then goes to Missouri You know, Auburn not ranked, but still kind of in the thick of things. Auburn's got to go to Missouri and win. Uh, If you're looking for something extremely entertaining to watch on Sunday at 1 o'clock, UConn and South Carolina in Colonial. It'll be packed at the Raptors. It'll be a raucous environment. Two of the best women's basketball coaches of all time squaring off here. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Florida is at Mississippi State. Obviously, I'll be covering that game. We look forward to seeing everybody out there. And then Alabama's at LSU. That'll be interesting, too. Alabama's gotten better as of late. LSU kind of refound or reclaimed, in many respects, their pride here as of late. That'll be an interesting game. And then Texas A&M is at Kentucky. And weird things happen at Kentucky. It's not exactly sure how one's going to play out. But uh, that's your schedule this weekend. Yeah, your rooting interest is basically everybody that's around us, right? You want to root for everybody that's around us to lose and the teams that are behind us to win. And we just continue to keep winning. The traffic clears. Uh, but you really, in many respects, state controls its own destiny as far as uh, securing a top four seed in a bye the tournament, uh, in the SEC tournament. Again, we have really done a lot uh, to pad the resume. Just got to finish up, man. And again, again, quickly, quickly on the women's side here before we uh, get to our top ten list. When you start looking back at all this stuff, kind of what is to come, there's so many teams that are our contemporaries that are all kind of jockeying for position, and that's behind us. So, again, this Sunday, Florida comes in on the next Sunday. There's no midweek game next week for the ladies. We head to Oxford February 18th. If you're on the fence about going, we encourage you to go. And then Kentucky comes here, Kentucky – Not a great team, got a couple good players. We'll see what we've learned since that very, very, very difficult game in Lexington that we probably should have lost, but our team simply refused to lose. February 25th we go to Alabama, then we go to Auburn. So that's going to be an interesting week. The state has two road games in the state of Alabama against two teams, jockeying for position in the SEC standings and trying to do what they can to pad their resume. In hopes of making the ncaa tournament and then we'll have senior day march 3rd as missouri comes in and so the schedule favorable for mississippi state but it's getting a little more intriguing you know with some of these teams around us beginning to kind of win some ball games but uh, again so excited for the ladies in sam purcell so excited for all of you because we didn't know we really loved women's basketball the way we do until the Vic schaefer years right and now all of a sudden it's like hey we it was so much fun. I don't want that to end, and it did for a little while, but now it feels like, again, we're on, we're on the come up. And so let's turn out and come out and support these ladies. If you can't make it to town, we certainly encourage you uh, to watch on the streaming platforms out there on ESPN, wherever it's available, and, uh, and be a part of it for sure. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by closewithblair.com. That's C L O S E with Blair, B L A I R. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. Blair is my friend, your friend, a friend to the world. He's also our collective friend in the mortgage industry. You can trust your mortgage with a lot of people. There's a lot of people vying for your business, but with something this important, it's better to stick with a winner. And that's who Blair is. 23 years of experience back-to-back-to-back. Top 1% close ratio in the country. In the country. Recently made the move to Fairway Mortgage. That's what happens guys like Blair in demand. You know, people want him, you know, building their loans because they know this is a guy, too, that can take you from the application process into home ownership. So you're looking to buy a home, looking to refinance a home. I don't know your needs. Reach out to Blair. Look no further than Blair Chandler at Close with Blair. Let me give you his phone number just between us girls here. Uh, 601-500-2344, again, 601-500-2344, that goes directly to Blair, not to a call center, not through a receptionist, directly to Blair. Blair's a bulldog, Blair's a guy that has uh, multiple season tickets in multiple sports, he also has a place here, he's my friend, I wouldn't do business with people who weren't, Blair can help you navigate through the labyrinth that often is underwriting. So if the home, the dream of home ownership has eluded you before, uh, trust in Blair and give him an opportunity to serve you. All right. Uh, requested by the eldest and I guess soon to be my co-host on a, a baseball Bulldog baseball show. It's Sleep Token. Now, I don't know if you guys know about them. They're banned band from England. They're doing some very... Uh, experimental things with music. It's so interesting. Like they've done some crazy covers. Like they they covered I don't I Wanna Dance with Somebody. They've covered Billie Eilish's When the Party's Over. They've covered uh Hey ya from Outcast. But they're really a more serious band than that. Like they did that to kind of get their name out there. Uh, they've had three albums so far, I had a couple of EPs and then when they had the first album come out, um, Sundowning, they took kind of the best of the EPs and made kind of an expanded edition. But uh, three great albums, and I'll tell you, the, the one that came out last year, uh, Take Me Back to Eden, is absolutely phenomenal, and much of our list today is going to uh, to include many of the songs on that album. But uh, every album represented, and of course there's just three, uh, but I think you're going to really dig these guys. I, I, I have for a long time. I think it's great. And uh, they're an anonymous band. They wear a mask on stage, kind of like Slipknot did and certainly, you know, the Kiss thing. Uh, but uh, there you go. A couple of honorable mentions here, for sure. Are You Really Okay is one, for sure. And then um, Ascensionism is another. So so there you go, a couple of honorable mentions. Let's get into the list here. Uh, I dig it. I'm just going to tell you right now. This is one of those bands, too, and I love the fact that... Uh, Maybe you don't know who they are, or we don't know who they are, who their true identities are. These guys can play. Very, very different. All right, uh, so let's go. Number 10, kind of a different track. And and I I was hesitant to make this number 10 because I know so many of you maybe have a quick gong. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like if it doesn't catch you right out of the gate, you're like, well, I don't know if this is for me, Steve. Well, this song kind of has how do i describe it maybe an auto-tuned acapella type feel to it if that sounds right does that make does that make sense to you yeah well that's uh that's from uh the lead track on this place will become your tomb but that that's what it begins with that's what the intro is so be patient kind of hang in there with it now number nine on our list this is another one of those like you never know what's coming from these guys. Even within a song. Like, listen, I love like Aerosmith and ACDC. I love the twos and fours. It's rock and roll. You know, it's rhythm and blues. I love that stuff. But I also love the bands. Like, I love the, the, the new blood where things are getting a little more industrialized again. Maybe not so over the top with that heavy guitar riff. But there's a lot going on in these songs. And you hear it from Bad Omens. You hear it from Sleep Theory and others. Uh, I like the direction of music right now. And this is one of those songs. Aqua Regia. Or Regia. Pardon me? Very interesting track. Now, number eight, the second single from This Place Will Become Your Tomb is a track called The Love You Want. And uh, lyrically, I think this is one of the better songs in the catalog, but it's also one of these songs where there's a lot going on with it. Just when you feel like things are changing, they change again. There's a lot to it, man. I think you're going to dig them. Number seven, Uh, from take me back to eden it's a cool track called vore v-o-r-e i love the guitar on this Um, it's one of those kind of got an infectious baseline it's it's a little bit different even for these guys there's a little more yelling than maybe in some of the other catalogs too i mean like some of these songs again they did this really interesting haunting cover of i want to dance with somebody from whitney houston it's much different. All of a sudden, you hear that, and you think, "Oh well, these guys are kind of soft and cuddly." Then all of a sudden, you hear "vore," and you're like, "Wait, no, no, no!" Uh, number six. There's been this whole thing about acronyms lately. I don't know if it's from a texting culture, you know, but it's. Uh, Do you wish that you loved me? Number six: DYWTYLm. Do you wish that you loved me? And uh, yeah, you can. I, I'm. I'll take all the love that I can get. Uh, but this is again another interesting song. It doesn't match a lot in the catalog, which makes it kind of consistent with the Sleep Token experience. Much, much different. Now these top five here, I think you know, even with the the, the deepest and most ardent supporters of this band, I think most people would agree with these top five. I don't. There may be some play in six through ten, where you could make an argument for another song. I don't think that's the case for the top five. Going back to the second album. Uh, this place will become your tomb. It's Alkaline. That was the lead single on that one. and track, for sure. For sure. Love the vocal on this one. It's one of those songs, too, that there's a lot of changes. Like the composition of these songs are really kind of next level. Number three, this was my gateway track to Sleep Token. Heard it on Octane, and I was like, you know what? This is a little bit different. It's a great track called The Offering. And uh, during my research, I found it's the song they've played the most live in their experience. It's still a fan favorite. And you say, Steve, it's just three albums. I, I get it. And you would think something a hit from the first album would get played regularly. But this is one of those songs that the, the, the crowd has to hear every single time out. Absolutely dig it. I think you will, too. And number two, for a while, this was my favorite song off Take Me Back to Eden. It's a track called Granite absolutely dig this one it's it's very much in your face with a certain level of restraint it's like it's just it's not biting you it's not spitting in your face it's just kind of right there letting you know that it's focused only on you absolutely love it number one though and this is one of those songs like when they make the lull change at the end and if you're familiar with sleep token you know what i'm talking about it's like this song is so great and it's It's so up-tempo, and then they kind of go to this little R&B spot at the end. And the first time I heard it, I thought maybe that I bumped something on the phone, or was there a problem with Octane? Did they change songs? And I was unaware. But it works so magically. It's a track called The Summoning. It's one of the best songs in America last year, and uh, made everybody's end-of-the-year list. But that's your sleep-token experience. Those are my top ten songs. You may disagree. i tell you again, we... How we got on this discussion is, you know, we just did yesterday a lot of new music, right? A lot of modern music. Because some of you think I'm some dinosaur that only listens to Foreigner and Journey or Twisted Sister or something. That's not true. I love the New Blood. And this is one of those bands that I think has some real staying power. And again, they're from across the pond. They're really, in, in some respects, kind of England's answer to Bad Omens, Bad Omens, an American band. I absolutely love them. They're the biggest thing in rock right now. They're the hottest thing in American rock music right now is Bad Omens. We've talked about it on the show before. These bands are very similar. I like Bad Omens a little bit more, but I really dig Sleep Token. I think the Bad Omens latest album, uh, The Death of Peace of Mind, is an absolute masterpiece. And, again, there's some diversity in the type of songs. There's some electronica in there. There's some traditional rock and roll. There's all this layered, overproduced thing that we have now, multi-layered type stuff. Uh, But Sleep Token, if you like Bad Omens, you're going to like Sleep Token. And if you like Sleep Token, you're going to like Bad Omens. I'd love to see these bands tour together. It's pretty amazing when you begin to think about kind of how music has changed. Computers have changed a lot. And, of course, Auto-Tune and all the advancements they've made uh, in production have taken some very average singers and made them a lot of money you know because all we really care about is a good song right i mean let's just be honest about it not everybody loves live music that was always the big thing when i was younger well can they pull it off live you know there's a lot of you don't even go to live shows and so you just want a good quality product and so you put on your out your itunes or your spotify or whatever and you just want to hear a quality song you'll never see many of these people perform live ever ever and people forget, too, like even on the Ed Sullivan Show and all that stuff, the, you know, the, the Beatles didn't play. yeah, you know, The Box Tops didn't play. They just got up there and mimicked, right? It's a different day and time nowadays, for sure. But uh, it's not even really about pulling it off live. And nowadays, you go to a show, uh, they got so much backing tracks and things of that nature. It's part of the deal. I mean, how many times have you been to a show in your lifetime where the, you know, the singer just didn't have it that night? And you're like, oh, it's, I kind of caught him on a bad night. Well, people don't want that. They don't want you going on social media and said, oh, yeah, I went and saw this particular artist and uh, their voice was shot. It was a terrible performance. Well, that's going to hurt future season t- or, uh, concert ticket sales, right? So they don't want that. So there's a lot of people out there working on backing tracks. And it's a, a, a shame that uh, we stripped Millie Vanilli of their Grammy and now everybody else is Millie Vanilli in many respects. I mean, it's a little bit hyperbole. And if you haven't watched that documentary, you should. It's good. It really is. I enjoyed it, and uh, last night I watched, rewatched the uh, Ric Flair documentary. They just re, they just added that to Netflix. I watched it when it first came out. It was on ESPN, yeah, you know, about the Nature Boy, and um, you know he's part of American culture. But uh, I dig it. I kind of got on the rabbit trail there, but uh, but nevertheless, love modern music, and I think this is one of those bands too. Great representation of kind of where music is headed right now. So if you're unfamiliar with Sleep Token, I hope we've done you a solid today and kind of given you a, a playlist to kind of introduce yourself. But, you know, if you don't have time to listen to all ten tracks, listen to The Offering, Granite, and The Summoning. Just listen to those three, and I think you're going to feel pretty good. And so, you know what, I want to hear a little more about this band. If you have ideas for the top ten lists, reach out, let us know. Matter of fact, we're already booked for Monday and uh, booked for Wednesday. Already kind of got those things lined up for us. And uh, we're going to do a classic American band on Monday, and then we'll do the holiday edition on Valentine's Day. Do you have a sweetie this year? Do you? You got time. You yeah, know, maybe you want to wait. You know, maybe you don't want to buy that big Valentine's Day gift. Or you know it is when you first start dating somebody, you don't want to go, you'd be too forward. You know, it's so funny how that works. Yeah, I'm one of those kind of people too that I always had a weakness of coming on strong, right? And maybe that's what worked for me with Dana, you know. But uh, the reality of it is, is just be yourself. If you got to be somebody else to be with somebody else, then it's not somebody worth being with. Always be true to yourself for sure. Uh, but that's your top ten list for today. Again, uh, the best way to find it is to go to Spotify and look at uh, Dogmatic67. That's dawgmatic 67. 7 uh, Follow Roy on Twitter, too. He doesn't post pictures of his food and silly stuff like that. It's always Mississippi Steak stuff and or uh, our list. And uh, Roy, again, great friend to me, and uh, I appreciate his contributions and uh, making our show a little more – accessible and taking our top 10 list and making say, I'll just put a playlist together for you. He, and, and I don't do anything for it. You know, he just does it for you guys because he loves the show loves the top 10 format. And again, we've been doing this man for four years now, top 10 and uh, still coming up with good ideas. And uh, you guys do such a great job with that. And uh, we had some people hit us up by Toby Keith the other day. And I got to give Roy credit. As soon as it was announced that Toby had passed away, he went ahead and recirculated our Toby Keith list. That he was instrumental in putting together in the first place. I guess I, I had some input. I like some Toby Keith stuff too. But uh yeah, really kind of a sad deal, man. And uh at some point death comes for all of us. Life is short, death is certain. But man, Toby Keith uh had a great time eating that big gold uh incredible country fried steak at his place, man. For sure. You ever been to Toby Keith's restaurants, man? It's it's like putting your feet in our mama's tables, except they, give you, they go ahead and give you a second helping with the first helping. But uh, kind of a sad deal, for sure. A lot of people love Toby Keith, and uh, I was unaware that he was even sick. I know some other people are like, oh, yeah, he's been sick for years. But, uh, man, you hate it. You hate to see a guy like that that sung so many songs that are anthemic to many Americans around here. And um, for those of you that are fans of Toby Keith, our condolences go with you. But uh, a lot of people thought we would do Toby Keith Uh, on on a show this week we've already done it but uh, again thumbs up to roy for recirculating that list for those of you that love uh, the music of toby keith next segment of the show brought to you by campus Bookmart, a Starkvilleian institution i love campus Bookmart. i'm sure you do too if you don't you probably haven't done business with them they make it so easy to get mississippi state merchandise go by and see their smiling faces next time you're in town the best selection of mississippi state merch a lot of people make that claim Campus bookmark backs it up. Swing by and see them turn off 182 at the Trooper Station. Just kind of mosey on around there on the left-hand side just before you get to campus. Go in there and peruse their fine selections. Maybe even change into them and wear them to one of Mississippi State's historic sporting venues. You are coming to watch the ladies play? Maybe you're coming to watch baseball? I don't know. I don't know what you got going on. The men are going to be back in town soon. Go ahead and get you some Mississippi State basketball and baseball merch. And wear some fresh threads to the ball game. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps you live out of state, live in a foreign country—I don't know—I don't know what your needs are. You need to find a way to get your hands on some Mississippi State merchandise. Visit campusbookmark.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays—that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson—that gets you free shipping on all orders over seventy-five bucks. And you order less than seventy-five bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmark.net. All right, let's take a look ahead at Missouri. Mississippi State men be headed up there uh, today. Guys, the uh, Missouri Tigers have lost 10 games in a row. They are 8-15 overall. They have not won a conference game. They are 6-7 at home, 2-6 away, and 0-2 on a neutral floor. It has not been a good year, which is weird, right? Because remember those great Kansas-Missouri games? It was a great rivalry. I don't know why I don't play it anymore. It's kind of silly. A lot of ego involved in all that with Missouri uh, leaving for the SEC. Kansas like, we're never going to play them again. Silliness. Uh, But it opened up well enough, man. They beat Arkansas Pine Bluff 101-79. Then they lose to Memphis and Como. Bounce back to beat South Illinois Edwardsville 68-50. They get Minnesota 70-68 in Minneapolis. So at that point, they're 3-1. You think, okay, maybe Memphis is really good this year. They're just okay. Well, then they lose to Jackson State at home, 73-72. How about the SWAC with a couple of SEC wins this year? They bounce back and beat South Carolina State, 82-59. They get Loyola, 78-70. They get Pitt. So all of a sudden, despite the fact the loss at Jackson State, they kind of righted the ship a little bit. Put together a four game winning streak that ended against Wichita State. Well, they beat Wichita State to extend, and then they lose to Kansas. It's good to see that game being played again. 73 uh, 64, that was in Lawrence, Kansas. Kansas is Kansas. Uh, they lose then to Seton Hall 93 87, very high scoring affair. That game was played in Kansas City, Missouri. They then lose to Illinois 97 73. Bounce back to beat Central Arkansas, 92-59. Lose to Georgia in the SEC opener, 75-68 at home. And Georgia's just kind of a middle-of-the-road SEC team. They go to Kentucky, get smacked pretty good, 90-77. They lose at home against South Carolina, 71-69 in overtime. What an entertaining game that had to be. They head over to Tuscaloosa and, like us, give up 90-plus. Lose 93-75. They didn't lose to Florida in Como, 79 67, to College Station, Texas, uh, to Texanium, 73 57. They make the return trip out there to uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and lose to the Gamecocks, 72 64. But you see, a lot of these games are, are largely competitive. They just can't close. And it's usually close ball games are decided by coaching. Arkansas makes the trip up there, and Arkansas has not been good this year, but they uh, they get a win, 91-84. Missouri having trouble, man, defensively. They lose to Vanderbilt. We talked about that. Somebody had to get a win, and Missouri travels to Vanderbilt and loses by seven, and then they get beat by AM on Wednesday, 79-60. So 10 consecutive losses. Uh, with rare exception though that they've been largely competitive so don't be surprised if you look up halfway through that ball game and state hadn't gained a lot of separation it's kind of part of the deal and i don't care what the season looks like anytime you got to put on a dark cardinal jersey and go on the road in this conference you better bring a hard hat with you things get awfully tough in this league but uh, mississippi state has not won a road game this year we're hoping for win number one tomorrow. Now, looking at scoring, Missouri this year averaging seventy-two point nine points per game, allowing seventy-four. So about a one and a half point differential there for sure. Uh, shooting really hadn't been that bad when you look at you know what, when you look at the record, you'd expect it to be a lot worse. But right at forty-five percent from the floor and shooting right at thirty-three percent from beyond the arc. Those numbers are fairly consistent what they're producing and what they're giving up. Rebounding has been an issue. Uh, they're averaging 31.6 boards a game, allowing 37 and so right at a half dozen differential in favor of the opponents. They've dished out 303 assists right at 13 a game and allowed 294 also right at 13 a game. Turnovers have been an issue giving it up about 13 uh excuse me 11 times excuse me just over 11 times per game and but most of that's turned into points allowing 13.7 points off turnovers per game 184 steals and then they forced 140 116 blocks as a team and just 68 is there for their opponents but uh Again, you look at the numbers, they're not dominating in anything. There's not anything you look at and say, well, you know, this is what they do exceptionally well. They just they really haven't done anything exceptionally well, and their record indicates that. Uh, Sean East, the second. Their leading score at 15.6 points per game. Uh, Tamar Bates pitching in 14.2. He wears number two. Noah Carter is wears the number 35 jersey, a dozen points a game, and then Nick Honor with 10.7. There is a little depth in the rotation here. They've got several guys that are kind of right there around five, six points a game, making some contributions off the bench. Uh, but by and large, they have played a lot of minutes for their starters. And uh, maybe that's part of the issue. You know, maybe you just don't have quality depth that can compete in a Southeastern Conference. Uh, Aiden Shaw has played in 23 games, started 70. He has 29 blocks, which leads the team. Pulls down a few boards each ball game, but this is, again, there's not a guy that you look at here and say this guy's a rebounding machine. Uh, Caleb Grill leads a team at 5.8 boards per game, and Noah Carter just over five at 5.1. But, uh, you know, every time that we have games like this, we kind of talk ourselves into thinking we can just show up. We can't. I know what their record indicates. But it's one of those things that gets in your head a little bit. Well, we can't win on the road. We can't win on the road. Look at Tamar Bates' numbers, too. In conference, he has actually been better, averaging almost 20 points a game. Again, he wears number two. Zero two is what they have him listed. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how State defenses him. Uh, In conference play, he has uh, has been really good. Uh, Nick Honor has been the best three-point shooter in conference play. Uh, from a percentage standing point uh, of the regulars, shooting right at 37%. He's attempted 57 threes, which is the most on the team and made twenty-one. Uh, where's number 10? So we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to go up there and play. And at this point, we can never assume anything when it comes to a road game in the Southeastern Conference. We we have learned the hard way that we can ill afford to do that. But I'm expecting state to win the ball game. We absolutely have to win this ballgame. We do. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We've put ourselves in a situation. We talked about the schedule easing up for us a little bit. We needed a 2-0 mark this week. We've got the first big one. Now you've got to go on the road and get this, um, this elusive road win for us. And it's going to be an interesting weekend, too. You know, we talk about standings within our league, and we've got to do some things to get caught up here, and that includes winning games like this one. South South Carolina. And Auburn and Alabama are all tied in a first way, excuse me, a three-way first place tie for the SEC Championship. Did you expect to hear that with South Carolina? I think most people expected Tennessee, Auburn, and maybe Kentucky. But they're South Carolina. Twenty and three overall, and they've won six games in a row, which is the longest winning streak currently intact in the Southeastern Conference. And of course, Auburn with a big win over Alabama earlier this week. Tennessee, right there at seven and two. Kentucky, six and four. And from there, it gets really muddy. Florida, five and four. A and M, five and four. Ole Miss, five and five. LSU, four and five. And then there's State, four and six. Georgia, four and six. And then Arkansas vandy Missouri, absolutely got to win this weekend, and got to hope for some people around us, some of our contemporaries, uh, to lose. So let's look at our schedule. Should be another great weekend of basketball, guys. Alabama's at LSU. You like Alabama there. That's your 11 a.m. tip tomorrow morning. Vanderbilt travels to South Carolina. The number 13 team going against a team that's tied for first. You, you certainly like South Carolina's opportunities there. Auburn heads to Florida. Florida kind of mid of the pack. Auburn's still a really good team, and we beat them earlier this year in the Humphrey Coliseum. You expect Auburn to win that game. Gonzaga plays at in Kentucky. Interesting to have a non-conference affair that this late in the year, uh, but they do. Georgia is then at Arkansas, and who knows what our Arkansas team is going to show up. Again, there's so many rumors about so many problems up there at Arkansas, and they love their basketball there. They're not going to be patient with that. Tennessee is at AM. You like Tennessee there, but Tennessee is one of these teams, even though they're, they're ranked sixth, they got some losses sometimes that just kind of jump off the page. So you know what as athletic as Tennessee is, especially with Connect out there? You start thinking, okay, they got a chance to win every game. But, again, going on the road is awfully difficult at times. So that's your schedule uh, for the weekend. But uh, I, I suspect things will probably go to chalk this weekend. That's what I expect. If I had to pick winners, it's Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn, Kentucky. And, and I can, man, do you want to go Georgia? Georgia is so good from the perimeter. We'll go Georgia. And then, of course, Tennessee wins at 8 A&M and in state of Missouri. So you should see some road winners this weekend, but I don't think there's going to be uh, anything really in the way of upsets. But, uh, you know, your Bulldogs certainly need to get a W here. And, again, we talk about, you know, kind of what's coming up uh, for Mississippi State. And, again, it's a, it's a one-game-at-a-time type deal. It always is. You can't play all ten of them. But this is a team. This is a Bulldog team. If you win this one, and you've got two big home games next week, next week I think you begin to think, you know what? If we play the way we're capable of playing at home and you take care of a struggling Arkansas team and you take care of an Ole Miss team that's played pretty well at times, all of a sudden you've put together a nice little winning streak of four games right when it begins to matter most. Then that sets up the big road trip to LSU, You know the two finalists for the Mississippi State job, going head-to-head, not sure what to expect from LSU. It's a tough place to play when they're winning big. It's not so much when they're not. And then Kentucky comes in here, and then we go to Auburn, and you go to A&M, and then South Carolina comes in. And again, that South Carolina team, we were eager to get that one. But, man, look at how they're playing right now. But the way that we played in the hump, you don't know. But, again, once you get through this little stretch here of Arkansas and Ole Miss in the home games, things really begin to tighten up a little bit. So you gotta you gotta cut hay while the sun is shining. There's gonna be some games down the stretch. I don't think State's gonna be favored to win, and we're probably gonna have to pull an upset or two uh, to make the NCAA tournament. And again, you never know what's gonna happen in the SEC tournament, but we can ill afford to drop really any of these next three games. Got to find a way to get all three of those, and all of a sudden that makes you an 18 and eighteen team with just a handful of games left to play. But, again, 15-8 and eight right now, 4-6 and six in the conference, and got to get that elusive road win, man. We absolutely have to do that. And, again, we're so good on neutral floors and we've been so good at home, but something just hasn't worked out for us on the road. And uh, some of those have been games, you know, against some very talented teams. I mean, who knew when we played South Carolina that you'd look up uh, 10 games into the SEC schedule and they're tied for first place? I didn't expect that. I suspect many, many of you didn't as well. But we have to win against Missouri, and we probably need a 2-0 and week next week to really expect our team uh, to remain in contention for the tournament. Again, some quad one opportunities remain, but based on what you've seen from this team right now, I, I don't think you look at any of them and say, hey, this is a great thing. And, again, what, what happens with Keyshawn Murphy is going to be key down the stretch, too. We absolutely need him uh, to be a third scoring option for us. Really good minutes from him the other night. Going to need that continue this weekend. But uh, again, road trips to Missouri at times have been um, a little bit dicey, shall we say. You remember when we had the big three-point basket when Ben Allen was here and they rolled it a two? Do you remember that? And even they reviewed it, they stuck with the two. It didn't make any sense. That's what they do you know so we got to go up there and play well and, and it's not even just about the quality of competition i just think to kind of get that off your back that you can't win on the road i think that's a very very significant part of this thing get that handled kind of breathe a sigh of relief and then come home next week and uh, should be some raucous crowds here at humphrey coliseum or these next two ball games and again i say it all the time if you're on the fence about coming come we need you here and again. Uh, Not going to be many tickets available because our fans have supported this team. Period. Now, the other night, we didn't turn out. You know, we bought a bunch of tickets, but we didn't use them all. But uh, we're going to need you here. If you really want this team to be in the tournament, we need you to make Humphrey Coliseum a very difficult environment for our opponents. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. That's the best way to find what you're looking for. You want to see the amenities that are available to you and your guests when you go for a long-term stay at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Whether it's a midweek deal, maybe you're coming to town for work, and maybe you did not even thought about this. You're like, well, you know, we'll just all get hotel rooms. Why not save some money and save some inconvenience and forgive yourself a little bit of comfort by staying at Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Whether it's a ballgame weekend or a work trip, The Stark Vegas Clubhouse is the best place for you and several guests to stay. Five bedrooms, a couple baths, that amazing back porch area, the fire pit. Man, one of the cool things about it too is, you know, it's a fully stocked, excuse me, it is a full kitchen that you can stock for yourself and just cook. Maybe grill some steaks, maybe make make a sauce, make a gumbo. I don't know what your needs are, but the reality of it is you can do it all right there. Also got that great wet bar. It's the renovated Country Club Clubhouse. Just five minutes from campus. Very easy to get to. Uh, had some friends that have stayed there. They were thrilled with all of the amenities that are available there. Again, think about it because you've got some communal areas you can work, but also a place you can retreat and have some privacy. The Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Book through the Evolve website. When you pull it up, it's going to give you the option to book the VRBO, Airbnb. You do what you want to do. But I can save you a little money if you book through Evolve. Use promo code BSR10, and that get you 10% off your stay at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. All right, let's talk a little baseball. And as I mentioned uh, this afternoon, we will be out at Duty Noble Field and uh, working through the, the uh, final scrimmages. And uh, what you're going to see this weekend is you're going to see the nine, right? You're going to see what should be the starting nine play the other groups. That, that's what you're going to see. You know, we've had kind of some inner squad stuff, but now things have started to get serious. We begin setting the depth chart. I want to go over a couple things. Uh, you know, softball also has an opening day today. so if you're thinking about heading out to the news park, you should. It will be paid attendance from now on, but uh, baseball also recently had the, um, you know, the coaches poll, the preseason poll. Uh, we're not well represented, and I think I kind of like that, to be honest with you. That's, you know, how I feel. Maybe you feel differently. I kind of like when people don't think much of us. I like to win, most of all. But I also like to surprise people. So your SEC baseball preseason coaches poll. You got Florida number one in the East with 11 first-place votes. Tennessee is second with two first-place votes. And just narrowly edged out Vanderbilt for second place in the preseason poll. 75 points for Tennessee, Vanderbilt 73. They also get one vote to win the SEC East. South Carolina is fourth, Kentucky five. Nick Mangione, our friend, signed a big contract extension the offseason. They had to face OSU in a super regional last year. Uh, But they they needed needed Kentucky to make the uh, postseason, and then they went a regional. Uh, Georgia is sixth. That's Wes Johnson, first-year coach Wes Johnson, former Bulldog pitching coach, was part of a 2016 staff that won our first SEC championship since 1989. Missouri is seventh. Coach Jackson, new era up there. The, the lowest vote total in the SEC went to Missouri. Now, in the Western Division, Arkansas, nine first-place votes edges had LSU that had five I'm going to be honest with you if I had to vote here I'm voting Arkansas I think Arkansas has a team capable of winning an NFL championship this year I think LSU is going to be really good I don't think they're going to be as good as Arkansas that series will be awfully interesting Texas Am third Alabama four I don't see that at all they got Alabama they got Auburn fifth I think Auburn's better than that to be honest with you if yeah, butch Thompson's is going to be able to pitch it you know, they get Joseph Gonzalez back. He was their regular Friday night guy. Didn't get the pitch last year. I think you're going to see Auburn probably battle for third. Ole Miss, sixth, and Mississippi State, seventh. And it was nine points difference between Ole Miss and State. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that Ole Miss did a lot in the portal either. And then all of a sudden they have these votes, and then Ole Miss has now lost Rivas for the year, and you hate that for the kid. You do. Anybody that loses a, a weekend starter at this point in the year, it's difficult. It is. All right, looking at your first team SEC preseason, all SEC baseball team. Catcher Cole Messina from South Carolina. He of the big home run that turned that series around against Mississippi State off Colby Holcomb. Uh, Jack Caglione from Florida is your first baseman. Makes perfect sense to me. Cags is a, is a monster. Cade Carlin from Florida, another guy that can pick it and stick it. Very good defensive player. Tommy White at third. That's no surprise there. Colby Shelton from Florida. So think about that for a second. Three of your four regular infield positions outside of catcher are Florida Gators. Interesting. Uh, Jace LaViolette is an outfielder. He had three home runs in a game against Mississippi State last year. I still don't understand that. He, I would not have pitched to him, that's just me. Ethan Petrie from South Carolina. And, man, it feels like Ethan has been at South Carolina forever. Kendall Diggs, who I absolutely love his game. I do. This is a guy that can really defend. It's a guy that can run. He's a guy that can hit for a little bit of pop. He can hit for average. Of the five tools, he's probably a four-tool-plus player. Really like him. Really, really like his game a lot. Uh, DH is our utility guys. Ike Irish from Auburn. I'm talking to John Cohen about him last year, uh, they really like his approach to the game. He's much more mature than perhaps his uh, birth certificate would indicate. We, he didn't do much against us. We went out there, even though we lost that series. But uh, we did a pretty good job pitching against him. But this is a guy, too, that is probably a professional great hitter. Uh, Hagen Smith from Arkansas, you know what to expect there. You know, Dave and those guys always can pitch it. Uh, Drew Bream from Tennessee, expected to be the ace down there. It's going to be a much different look on the mound for Tennessee this year, but as long as Tony is there, they're going to be a very aggressive team. They're going to be in your face. They're going to run the bases aggressively. They're going to pitch aggressively. Uh, Brandon Neely, your first team reliever out of Florida. He's a guy that a lot of people expect to go on the second day of the draft. Uh, Second team is Devin Burks out of Kentucky, your catcher. Really liked him. We had a chance to see him last year. Uh, First baseman is Charlie Condon from Georgia. So Hunter Hines doesn't make the list. Uh, I suspect at the end of the year when we look at uh, the numbers that Hunter Hines is going to have better numbers than Charlie Condon. I don't know that he catches CAGs, but uh, he'll have better offensive numbers. And, And Hunter's trimmed up a little bit too. You can definitely tell he's really applied himself in the weight room. I'm eager to see what he does this year. Second baseman, Christian Moore at Tennessee. Third baseman, Billy Amick at Tennessee. Shortstop, Jonathan Bastine from Vanderbilt. Think about that for a second, right? We all want to get all the way to second team, the name of Vanderbilt player, and some people expect them to win the SEC East. Interesting. Braden Montgomery transfer from Stanford. I know you don't want to hear about it, but it's true. Offensive uh, outfielder from uh, Stanford makes his way to A&M. Makes them a better team. Dakota Jordan. Your long bulldog selected on the preseason all-SEC team by the coaches uh, will be in right field. Bobby Pierce from Auburn. Really like his game, too. He had a couple of really big hits against us in that series last year. Uh, Hayden Trevinsky, another guy that feels like he has been at LSU forever. Forever. Your second team catcher, or DH, excuse me. Uh, starting pitcher, Jack Caglione. How about that? C- Cags getting picked twice as a first baseman on the first team and a pitcher on the second team. That's that's a pretty good uh, distinction there. Starting pitcher, Carter Holton from Vanderbilt. Are a lot of people really high on him. They think he could be a difference maker for them. And then uh, relief pitcher, Alton Davis, the second at Alabama. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't really impressed with him last year. You know, maybe the new staff can get more out of him. And obviously some people think much higher of him than I do because they got him on a second team. So one Bulldog picked, uh, no Rebels picked, and you can kind of run down the list here yourself and uh, kind of see for yourself. That, you know, there's there's a handful of teams that aren't, aren't represented. But, uh, you know, it's... Again, you kind of work through it and begin to ask yourself. I guess Ole Miss may be the only team that didn't have a player picked. Uh, think about it, but uh, they they kind of work with that. To be honest with you, there's some political parts of that. They want to have certain. They want everybody that can be represented as the emails come flowing in here. Um, but I'm ready to see us play, and uh, that's we're a week away. Again, we'll have our final our final scrimmages this weekend. But I'm ready to see us get on the field. Real quickly here, I guess I missed this coming through. Your picks for SEC champion? Arkansas with nine votes to win the SEC. LSU with three. Florida with two. This Arkansas team is going to be something difficult. It, provided they stay healthy, and it's just a matter of time before they win an Apple championship. I mean, we all know this. They're committed to baseball up there. Dave Van Horn very much an alpha dog. A guy that knows how to recruit and develop players, also knows when and how to process them out. Uh, Going to be awfully interesting. And again, we'll preview the weekend next weekend. We'll talk about Mississippi State's uh, series against Air Force. Second time in school history we played them. Both times we'll be here. Uh, but, again, this weekend, if you got a chance to get out and, and be watching the Hell State Baseball account for updates on start times for Saturday and Sunday, we did get a window today to play. It'll be in the afternoon, and I love that. I love being able to get out there in the afternoon. Uh, so we'll finish up here, and then we'll um, grab something to eat, and then we'll head over to, um, to Duty Noble Field. So should be today, no rain expected the rest of the day. It's supposed to roll in, uh, you know, tomorrow morning. Uh, so that'll be interesting, you know, all weekend long. It's supposed to rain Saturday and Sunday. We really need to get these games in, though. We really need to get the games in and then begin to get on a regular game week schedule. We'll know who's playing. We'll know who's pitching. I don't know when Lamontis announces it. But one of the guys that I haven't talked as much about, and he may be the most improved pitcher on the staff, is Colby Holcomb. And you know what to expect from Nate. Colby had some walks last year. Nate really didn't have a lot of walks. Yeah, I've heard some commentary and read some commentary. People are like, well, it was just staff-wide. It really wasn't staff-wide. We didn't pitch it as well as we should have. And Nate was a shining star. You know, the bar was kind of low, but Nate didn't walk a bunch of guys. Colby did. And a lot of that was mechanical. And one of the things I noticed last year about Colby, we talk about Messina. Colby had Messina struck out and didn't get the call. And the very next pitch, we just decided it was more on emotion We decided to throw a fastball, just try to gas him up, and he turns on it, hits a home run. You know, pitching with passion is different than pitching with emotion, much different dynamic. Colby, I would say maybe through the end of the fall and on into the spring, has been the best pitcher. Cal Stevenson really good too. He has been. But Colby, I haven't mentioned him as much. It's a possibility to start. But there very much is a possibility for him to start. A lot of people have shared with me that he's really embraced what Justin Parker's trying to teach him. This is a guy that has pro baseball aspirations and potential. See, so you need to buy in, right? Justin Parker is a guy – again, we talked about this recently. South Carolina had the second-best ERA in the Southeastern Conference last year. And when you're up there with Sully and you're up there with Wes Johnson – You're getting things done. And I would venture to say the talent level at South Carolina was not comparable to what you had at LSU. It wasn't comparable to what you had at Florida. And it shows that the coaching was really good. When you can take above-average players and have them pitch at an elite level, as Justin Parker did, that's very significant. Now, uh, Justin was on uh, Brian's show, Brian Haddad, my friend, and he said this is the most talented pitching staff he's been around. Now, that probably comes across to you guys as coach speak, and I can tell you in my interactions with Justin Parker, it's not consistent with the conversations I've had with him. He's not going to go out there and give you false praise. Now, he may say we have some talent, but for him to say this is the most talented staff he's been around, it speaks volumes to me. There is clearly some untapped potential with this group. And talking to Justin, he'll tell you the kids have been great. Now like, as far as – they want to get better. They want to be coached. They want to go out there and win games. They want to eventually have the opportunity to play pro baseball. And so they bought into the system. As I shared on yesterday's show, when you watch these guys pitch, it's so much more fluid than it was. Now, the flip side of it is, you know, where are we going to be offensively? I'm going to give you again, you know, my prediction. uh, And call it an educated Prediction. You know, I think Bryce Chance is in left. You know, Bryce is the guy that was your starting left fielder uh, when Dakota kind of sat for a while. And then, of course, Bryce gets hurt and Dakota gets back in the lineup and never leaves. Connor Hizak could be really the wild card with this team. Defensively, he's been really good. He is a guy that uh, runs really well. He is a guy that tracks baseball really well. Could he be a double-digit home run guy or is he going to be a 250 hitter? You know, we need Connor Isaac to be really good. He's going to hit deeper in the order. It's going to provide some length for us in this order. You know what you got with DJ? Does DJ hit third or fourth? I suspect he'll hit fourth. You know, Limonis loves that left-right, left-right combo. He does. Because then you can't stack, right? You can't stack hitters. And so, third base, you know it's going to be uh, Logan Kohler, who's been really good. Uh, shortstop, I-, I think, will be David Marchand, the star. But you'll see Dylan Cup a lot, especially, you know, uh, in non-conference games, Dylan Cup is an elite defender. Amani Larry, of course, doesn't have a big arm, but uh, makes some very athletic plays out there. There were some times last year that uh, the, the turn at second cost us some double plays. But Amani's going to be your leadoff guy. Again, another guy that will work a walk. He's not too proud to take a walk. The guy that really runs the bases. And when you think about I'm not exactly sure where Mershon's going to be. And I, I suspect after our scrimmage this weekend, We'll have a pretty good idea what the lineup's going to look like in the, in the batting order. But I like Marshawn at second. Now, as Mike Neiman pointed out, he did strike out a little bit last year, but he was a freshman. But he is a guy. He's a gamer. He can bunt. He can run. He makes contact. You can hit run with that guy. I'm interested to see if he ends up in the two-hole or not. And then you probably have Hunter Hines at third, uh, third third in the order, playing first. And then um, I think DJ at four. And then behind them. Does it end up being Ross Highfield? Is it Logan Kohler? Do you have Bryce Chance hitting six? I kind of like him in that six spot. Where does Connor Isaac hit? You know, the second half of that order, once you get through the cleanup spot, there's some decisions you got to make. And that's not to say there won't be some tweaking as we go along. There certainly will be. I think Joe Powell gives us uh, some opportunities, too. I know late in the fall last year, you know, Ross, you know, kind of slowed down a little bit. Uh, but Ross has been involved in everything so far. And so, again, you know, Ross is a guy that's a competitor. He's a guy that wants to play. Um, in addition to that, I think Joe Powell gives you the ability that when you need to give him a day off, you're, you're not going to have a big drop off. Joe Powell is an elite defender. And I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I, I really wasn't. I know when we went out and added a catcher, and that, that's a nice insurance policy to have. It truly is, because you begin to think about this. It's like, let's say Ross needs a day off, or let's say let's say for some reason Ross is out for a week or two. Anything like that, you have to prepare for those possibilities. Well, you're left with Jackson Owen, a guy that's just making the move up from junior college, very talented player, but he's never faced SEC pitching. Johnny Long has been a reserve, uh, by and large, throughout his career, and then you've got Steven Splud as a freshman. Well, if you remove Ross from that equation – that's a scary proposition, and that's not being critical of anybody. But you just don't have anybody with the experience of seeing that SEC breaking ball. And Johnny Long has been better offensively than we expected. It's true. But when you add Joe Powell to the mix, all of a sudden you're like, man, this catcher group is really a strong group. We talked about that on Monday show. I mean, you went from that group being, you know, razor thin to being a real, real strong personnel group for this team. Uh, but I like the group – And I'm interested to see, you know, kind of how we stack the order. And I'm ready to get on the field and play somebody else. But I think this weekend, again, will give us a nice little preview of what to expect next weekend from the batting order. And and things can always change. But uh, one of the things that I love, because I'm a guy that wants to produce content every day. You know, it's like I wake up in the morning and I think about all the things i got to do each day. But when I think about baseball season, it's like it it really – encourages me to manage my time better because there's some weeks you've got games Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You have five games in a week. And so the content opportunities are plenty. But it also, from a time management standpoint, you can't just sit around and say, I'll I'll record the show this afternoon or I'll write this column tonight uh, because you've got to get it all done earlier in the day, which is good for you guys. But we want to do what we can to kind of preview these ball games and uh, make you guys kind of be fully apprised of what's happening uh, with your baseball team. And as I mentioned earlier, softball opens today. And uh, so we encourage you to get out and go support Coach Ricketts and her team as well. And uh, there's so many great things, again, happening to Mississippi State right now. I want everybody to make it. You know what I'm saying? I I want what's best for Mississippi State. I, I want Chris Jans to make the tournament and get out of that first weekend, and we'll see how things go. I want Sam Purcell Uh, to have a chance to really do some special things and get a great seed in the tournament and get out of that first weekend at the very least. I want Coach Ricketts to make the postseason. I want Coach Simonas to make the postseason. You know, I'm going to support every coach we have here at Mississippi State as long as they're the coach here at Mississippi State. And sometimes things get contentious. I mean, we have an emotional investment too. It's their job, right? And so, like, a coaching change happens. You know, I don't have to go fill out a a change of address form. They do. And sometimes we forget they're people. But the reality of it is that's the profession. You don't win enough, you don't get to stay. And when you begin to think about how they are in that situation unfolded, I mean, you know, there there were people in our administration telling me, you know, shortly after the LSU game, there's no way we make a coaching change this year. No way. No way we make a coaching change. And then things continued to deteriorate. There were still some people, too, in the decision-making process, you know, Steve, we've had all these injuries this year, too. You've got to factor that in, too. Yes, Zach was a little bit green, a little wet behind the ears, but when you factor in losing QB1 and RB1, you're going to have some setbacks. It's true. Uh, but there were times this year on the football field, even against the, in the win against Arkansas, we just did not look like we knew what we were doing on offense. And uh, I've read the column and read Cleveland Ball, and, of course, everybody wrote, and everybody else is aggregating this and passing it off as their own work, which I absolutely despise. Uh, Rick got the interview. Rick is the guy that wrote the story. Rick deserves the clicks. But a lot of people out there are like, oh, well, this is dicey and this is scandalous, so I'm going to jump on this, and I'm going to write my own column. An article about an article. I can't stand it. It's just amazing to me and absolutely amazing to me. But at the end of the day, Guys, not only have we made a coaching change, we have gone through the December signing period and now the February signing period, and we're still talking about this. You know, Will was at Washington, and I wish him the best. I I think so much of uh, Wyatt and Luke and Will Rogers, I, I do. They're great people, and Will did some amazing things here. But let's not belabor the point now. I mean, that article's weeks old. And I see people out there kind of beating the drum. I, like, I told you so. I told you so. Well, congratulations. What is that profit Mississippi State? The, oh, well, I, I told you Arnett wasn't going to work out. What does that change now? Zach Arnett is no longer our coach. This story, in many respects, is no longer relevant. But the enemies of Mississippi State and the butthurt about Mississippi State, well, we want to keep regurgitating this story. And beating the drum, talking about, well, I was right, I was right. Well, here's my thing. Well, if you knew about it then, why didn't you write about it? If you're in journalism, if you knew then, if you knew back then there was a problem, why didn't you write the story? It's this revisionist history stuff that gets to me. You know, there's a lot of people out there that just aren't genuine. They're not. And uh, that's one thing that I do my best, that I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to beat a genuine article. I don't go write stuff based on what somebody else reports. I don't if somebody reports something, I'm gonna get on the phone and try to confirm it. I'll acknowledge the first report, but the reality of it is, is that I'm not here to aggregate anybody else's journalism. That's not what you pay us for at jeanspage.com. That's not why you tune into this show. I don't sit at home and watch ball games on the couch. Maybe that's different for you. I don't know what you're willing to pay for. But I know this, I know when it comes to Mississippi State baseball and football, if Mississippi State's playing a ball game, I'm going to be there, you know, with extremely rare exception. you know. And again, just like Justin Farmer going up to Missouri, right? You know, w- We believe in being there. If Mississippi State is playing, we're going to be there. And there's so many people out there that have a byline, and I'm not talking about anybody currently on the Mississippi State beat, so don't get your feelings in and in in go to somebody else's, message board or social media account. Steve Robertson said this about you. If I want to say it about them, I'll say it. But I'll say it to them privately. But there's so many people out there in our industry uh, that always just – they never have anything positive to say about Mississippi State. Ever. Ever. It doesn't matter what's going on. doesn't matter what's happening. You know, I remember when we go to number one in the country, some of these national college football writers that you guys know so well – they never came to Starkville. They didn't cover a game. They didn't come to a press conference. They didn't come stand with Dan Mullen, and Dak Prescott and ask them about how great things are going at Mississippi State. But the first time we got in some trouble, guess he was the first one to go write that article. And so there's not a lot of objectivity and all that kind of stuff. And that's this whole thing with the Will Rogers-Arnett thing. And listen, Arnett sat there on signing day, on signing day, and looked me dead in the eye and said, oh, we're still going to run – the air raid passing concepts because i asked him you 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 retooled the entire offensive staff what does that mean philosophically you know you can go back and find that i'm the one that asked the question he looked me dead in the eye and he said we're going to still run the air raid concepts in the passing game it's going to be some things that will rogers very familiar with that's what he said that's not what happened but that's what he said so it's not new news that's all the way back from the very beginning the very first press conference that we had. And listen, I'm a Zach Garnett fan. Zach's been great to me. But things changed. And let's just be honest about that. Kevin Barbet wasn't our first choice to be offensive coordinator. That's who we got. It didn't work out for us. But I think you know, Zach's plan initially was: hey, we're gonna do we're gonna run the air raid concepts, but we're gonna run the football more. Our play calling will change, and schematically a few things will change. We want to run the football more and be a little more of a ball-control offense, but we're still going to run the air raid concepts. I think he meant it when he said it. But then he went and hired a guy. I don't think he could find an air raid guy that fit what he wanted to do that was willing to come. And so you go out and you get Kevin Barbet that you know runs a very different concept. And it wasn't a great thing for Will. And, and the thing that I go back to, too, there's so many people out there that are like, Well, this happened and that happened. You know, guys, if Will Rogers, who I absolutely love, if Will saw after spring that this wasn't what it it was supposed to be, Will could have transferred, but he's not built that way. And probably it might have even behooved Will Rogers to say, you know what, let me play in a concept that maybe is not a true air raid to kind of show that I can play in some other concepts. I got no problem with what Roger said. I got no problem with what Wyatt Rogers says and some other you, people of you do. I think everybody deserves a right to say whatever they want to say that's on their mind, provided it's true. And I absolutely believe what they're saying is true. Absolutely, without question. But sometimes things change. But the, at the end of the day, why are we still talking about Zach Arnett? Why are we still talking about Will Rogers? Neither are here anymore. Which... Both of them, the absolute best. But our focus should be on what's happening at Mississippi State now. What's happening under Jeff Levy? It's a new era, and it's time for us to get involved. And this other stuff is just distractions. It's just noise. It is. And I'm not saying that in any way to be critical of Will Rogers or his family. I know some of you got your feelings hurt by that, and you're entitled to. I see it differently. I'm focusing more on what will be than what was. Again, changing the guard, it's time for us to throw our full support. Uh, behind Blake Shapin and Jeff Lebby and this new offensive staff and Jeff Holcheck and those guys, that's where our focus should be, not regurgitating, oh, I can't believe this. And, like, people go share. Like So when Rick Cleveland wrote it, we all went and shared it. Then all of a sudden it begins to get aggregated again. Well, let's go share it again. Let's move on. Let's move on and focus on our future rather than our past. And maybe that's the classic Robertson rant. But uh, I, I just get tired of like, let's just regurgitate this old news so we can find something to be upset about. We can find something to feel sorry for ourselves about. Guys, I'm excited about Jeff Levy. I'm excited about this recruiting class. Do I think it's a great class? No. Is it a really good class? Yes. Have we done enough in the portal? No. Have we done some good things? Yes. But I think all this in many respects to continue this conversation, and I feel dirty doing it now. It's disrespectful to the guys that are here now. Let's focus on that. Very appreciative to Will Rogers for everything he did for Mississippi State. Wish him the best at Washington. But he is no longer our quarterback. Zach Arnett, no matter how well-intended he may have been, did not keep the air raid concepts. And in many respects may have been a career-defining moment for him. Retooling the offense basically cost us a special season, right? But Zach Arnett is no longer our football coach. So can we please stop retweeting this nonsense? Can we stop sharing this on Facebook? Can we stop talking about it on message boards? It's over. It's your life. Do what you want to do. I just don't think it's helpful to Mississippi State for us to talk about old news again. Let's just go get inflamed again. Things are going too well, so let's go find something to get upset about, right? I wish we could breed that part of the fan base out, to be honest with you. All right, if you haven't done so, go to WhenTheBottomFalls.com. You get the brand new book, When the Bottom Falls. It's a, it's, it's a memoir. It's about my journey to and through uh, drug addiction and alcoholism and how I've been able to maintain sobriety low these many years later. And all of my sports titles are there, Dog Pile, Alpha Dog, Stark Billings, and Flim Flam. And I uh, got the mock-up on the uh, cover for the dude today. They got a few tweaks to make, and once they do, uh, I'm going to share it for you. I'm excited about it, man. Really am. Really, really, really excited about this new book and uh, ready for you guys to have it. So we'll be working hard and getting that out for you because, uh, you know, I guess I don't have enough to do, so I'm opening a new business, writing a new book, and covering Mississippi State, and doing your show, being your good friend and host. I love each and every one of you. Hope you have a great weekend. Uh, and listen, we all want the same things, and that's for Mississippi State to win. We may all not always agree on how to get there. It may not be a situation where we all are always friends, but always remember, even when somebody says something that you perceive to be negative, or when you see a situation where somebody disagrees with your, what you think is the solution to any problem in Mississippi State, understand all that comes from a good place. Their delivery of that information may not be good, but we all want the same thing, and that's for Mississippi State to be successful. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.